welcome back to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff, and returning from his week on the road, we got many emails asking where he was. He's back. <laughs> everybody, everybody can relax. My co-host, Mark A. Johnston, feeling a little under the weather, but you're, you're here. Welcome back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm back. I'm I'm excited. I'm in effect and ready to rumble. You know, tanned, rested, and ready, except for the tan part. Um, I uh, I was I was on tour. I kid you not. I was on tour with a band. Uh, but that's all I'm going to say about it. It was a fun time. But I'm exhausted. Yeah, but I'm ready. I'm ready to rumble here. Let's do this thing. All right. Well, in case you'd forgotten, Mark, because you you were gone for for one one week, I do like to offer you an out if you don't want to talk about baseball history. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's see. So I, I thought I think we've got a, a interesting topic this week. But if you don't want to talk about baseball history, I thought maybe we could break down all the wild card NFL matchups that are coming up this week. <laughs> you know, there really probably are no podcasts doing that. I'm sure uh, there's not. There there are no football podcasts. No, there's none of those. There's no uh, TV shows about it either. Uh, the only problem is my lack of knowledge on the subject. So we better <laughs> stick with baseball. Well, tack onto that my my lack of interest on the subject, and I say, <laughs> why don't we why don't we stick with baseball history? Because I think we've got a good topic. Because this is the final episode of night. 19 the final episode of 2019 not 1919 uh, again we could just recap the, the black Sox, but no this is the the last episode and you know every every other baseball podcast that i've listened to in the last week has been recapping the last decade in baseball you know i hate to tell these guys that's kind of our gig is to do the history stuff so they're mm-hmm. kind of stepping on our toes so we're going to do them one better we're not going to review the, the last decade. We're going to jump back three decades ago, and we're going to review the entire 1980s. Wow. Okay. All in one one show. We're, we're going to look back on some of the, the decade that was the 1980s, and maybe you can we can then compare it to the last decade, but we're going to do it okay. a little, little bit different. Okay, cool. Sounds like fun to me. Uh, I do have uh, I do have something we need to address, and, and you know what it is when we start out. Uh, oh. We start out with. This. I, have we been kangarooed? Yes, we've been kangarooed. So we've got a. This is great though because we got a. We, we keep getting new listeners, and you know this is show. What is this show number forty seven? Jeez. Wow. Uh, so you know we've got a good backlog, and, and new listeners can go back and listen to our older shows. We keep calling Bobby Thompson when we're talking about the shot heard around the world. Robbie Thompson, the second baseman from the Giants during the eighties. <laughs> so, wow, that's a big miss. We're gonna miss. That. Yeah, I you know I think we've been called out on that before, but I'm gonna have to find. Mm, I'm probably gonna have to find you in particular. Uh, ten dollars for this one because you didn't catch that again. Okay, well, you know, I'll just add it to my uh, bill, my tab there. Well, yeah, it is coming due at the end of the year here, so uh, be a nice, nice chance for the wife and I to take a vacation paid for. Yeah, I know it's built up pretty good. I should be able to pay it off um, within the next thirty to forty years. Great. Well, I won't cash that check then. Uh, just, just <laughs> yeah, yet. not yet. <laughs> not yet. All right. Uh, I've got something. This is now I need you to step your game up here, Mark, because I keep coming up with Nolan Ryan facts for you. I need some Ricky Anderson facts. Okay. 
because I've got another Nolan Ryan fact for you. <laughs> You're right. I need to find some. <laughs> All right. I want to talk, and this is this plays in perfectly because we're reviewing the 1980s. Nolan Ryan's 1987 season. This is crazy. Uh-huh. So he's 40 years old at this time. Leads the National League with a 2.76 ERA. Also, not shockingly, uh, led the league, uh, the National League in strikeouts with 270. So listen to listen to this. This is at age 42. He gave up fewer hits per nine innings than anyone else in the majors with only 6.5 per game per nine. And in his 34 starts, you like that how he started 34 times? That's beautiful. He uh, only allowed three or more earned runs thricely. Wow. That's three times uh, for people that don't speak old English. Wow. Uh, However, do you remember what his record was in 1987? I remember it was uh, below 500. Pretty good. Yeah, it, it was actually it was a 33% win percentage. One Ooh. off of 34. He was 8 and 16. <laughs> That's tell you know to pitch that well <laughs> have that record. That's just brilliant. Yeah, I I mean we know that wins and losses are not the measure of a pitcher anymore, but Right. It's still to be eight and sixteen when you have a two point seven six ERA, lead the league in strikeouts, and only give up six point five hits per nine. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So in his sixteen losses, he threw eighty eight innings and received only fourteen runs of support in those sixteen <laughs> games. Oh, that is horrible. So six times the Astros were shut out when he was on the mound. So six times they didn't score at all. The other eight times, they only scored one run while he was on the mound. That's ridiculous. So I hope he took them to kangaroo court and sued them Man. for lack of support. So apparently, he was kind of on a pitch limit. It's, I mean, he's 40 years old at this point. I don't sure. know. who. Do you have any idea who was managing the Astros in 1987? In 87, Halonier, I think. <laughs> there's a name i've heard for a while uh so <laughs> hal lanier apparently had him on a pitch limit so he would get he rarely went seven innings even if he was pitching well he wouldn't go much longer than that so five times in 87 ryan left with the lead only to have the bullpen blow it for him after he left uh, you know was pulled his teammates only scored 13 runs while the bullpen allowed 41 <laughs> So that sounds like the Mariners bullpen. <laughs> it uh, certainly sounds familiar. During one stretch, uh, Nolan managed to win only three of 22 starts. But in that stretch, his ERA was 3.07. So <laughs> that is that is not a good team. <laughs> so I, I got this from uh, if you're if you want to read some more about this 87 season, CharlesApril.com. I want to make sure to give credit to uh, to the guy that came up with all those numbers. CharlesApril.com. I'll throw a link in the show notes as well. Cool. Uh, also, we've talked about Babe Herman before, not George Herman, right. Babe Ruth, but Babe Herman himself, who was an incredible player and quite a character. I don't think we've talked about this one before. He, at one point, and I couldn't get a date when this happened, but he doubled into a double play. He, hold on. First off, I'm sorry that you couldn't get a date. Uh, second. <laughs> so is my wife. How do you double into it? Yeah, see, my wife doesn't let me date, so she's a very strict woman. 
but uh, how do you double into a double play exactly? All right, so here it is. So bases are loaded, right? Nobody out. Bases loaded. He hits a ball into the gap, starts running as one would do when, when one hits one into the gap. Right. <laughs> so as he's rounding second base, the third base coach starts yelling at him to go back to second because the runner that was on first, the fleet of foot Chick Fuster, which that's a great <laughs> name, Chick Fuster, uh, hadn't even rounded third yet. So he was apparently slow. Uh, maybe just wasn't paying attention. I don't know, but he started on first and had even rounded third yet. And and here comes Babe Herman rounding second. So the runner that was on second, pitcher Dazzy Vance, brother of Dizzy, misunderstood. And so he heads back to third base. He could have scored easily, but he thought that, that he was being told to go back. Oh, okay. So Herman, ignoring the base coach, keeps heading for third himself. So <laughs> you got three guys standing on third base all at the same time. <laughs> so the third baseman gets the ball and just starts tagging people. And <laughs> so Fuster was out because he had already rounded the base and then Vance had rounded the base as well. So it was his base technically until he gets right. to the next one. And Herman then shows up. So he was tagged out as well. So he <laughs> doubled into a double play and they only scored one run on the, on the play. But that is impressive and very difficult to do. That is that again, it sounds like another Mariner thing. I hate to bag on the Mariners, but if you could see that happen, you know, in the majors, you've got to assume the Mariners are probably involved. <laughs> they, they've had some base running struggles. Uh, I'll just say it that way. <laughs> All right. So uh, this is normally the time in batting practice where we go ahead and do uh, debuts. Obviously, we're still in the offseason. So we are going to continue our look at the some of the minor league teams that Major League Baseball is threatening to disassociate with the MLB. Yes. Not a good move. We're not happy about this. But we're uh, we're going to continue to take a look at these 42 teams that baseball is trying to turn their backs on. Today, I wanted to talk about a team that I have known about forever. Some of these other teams, you know, you hear about. But I want to talk about the Chattanooga Lookouts today. Oh, sure. I remember this team when I was in college. They've had, I think, the same logo forever. It's a C with two I's in it. And I've always liked that logo. They were founded in 1885. Really? 1885 they have been around. Wow. That is some history. Currently, they're the double-A team for the Cincinnati Reds. And they were also affiliated with the Reds from 88 through 2008. When I think of the Chattanooga Lookouts, I always think of the Reds. And mm -hmm. mainly, mainly because I knew a ton of minor league affiliates back in the day. And they were always the Reds. Uh, they've also been associated with the Senators, the Phillies, the A's, the Indians, the Mariners, the Dodgers, and the Twins. They are, they are like the Edwin Jackson of minor league affiliates. <laughs> That's a good comparison. I think you're dead on there. But, I, you know, when you've been around since 1885, you tend to have <laughs> gotten in bed with quite a few uh, organizations. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time. So the name, the nickname comes from the nearby Lookout Mountain. It was adopted huh. in 1909, and guess how they came up with this uh, with this nickname for the team? Uh, you tell me, man. Well, I mean, you know, we I've already said it's it's Look named after Lookout Mountain, but they had a fan contest. Every, uh, every one of these teams seems to have a fan contest, but this was in 1909 they were doing this stuff, which wow. is kind of weird. Yeah. 
So they used to play in Engel Stadium. And Engel Stadium in 1929, there was a baseball scout named Joe Engel, who was commissioned by the owner of the Senators, Clark Griffith, to come up with a minor league affiliate somewhere close to the the Senators in Washington, D.C. So Engel uh, decided on Chattanooga. He built a stadium there, named it after himself. I mean, I guess if you can do it, why not? Why not? He was quite the uh, Bill Veck of his own time. To draw attention to the lookouts, he would march elephants onto the field for opening day. He let canaries loose in the stands. I don't, I don't know what that's for. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, here. Uh, at least he didn't drop turkeys from a, from a helicopter, though. That would have been the crowning achievement. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they can't fly, you know. They, they cannot. <laughs> he would award houses and cars to loyal fans. This is, this wow. is what Roman emperors houses. used to do during, yeah, during gladiators and, and chariot races. Roman emperors used to award these kind of things to keep people loyal to him. Uh, and then most notably, he traded shortstop Johnny Jones for a 25-pound turkey. <laughs> Well, that's a big turkey. It is. I mean, come on. I, that can probably feed that the whole team. So probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he traded him for a post-game spread is basically what happened. Well, we don't know that they killed the turkey. They might have uh, just been a point. mascot. Uh, also, this is something, uh, the Engel Stadium is where Jackie Mitchell, who we've talked about, struck out <laughs> Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth in 1931. That, that's where it was. Exactly. Oh, no yeah. Awesome. So they also, uh, I mentioned they've been there since 1885. They did play hooky one year in 1943. They played in Montgomery, Alabama, but then they came back the next season. It was just like they needed a, they were on a break, essentially. Yeah. Um, the uh, center field wall at Engel Stadium measured 471 feet. So wow. we're, we're getting into polo grounds territory, but uh, they did register one home run hit over straightaway center field, and that was by the killer, Harmon Killebrew. Nice. They've won one Dixie Series title, which I assume is probably in the 1800s. They've won mm -hmm. three league titles, four pennants, and five division titles. Now, I've got some notable alumni here. I've got a lot of Mariners for you because they were a, a Mariners affiliate for a while. Uh, Alvin Davis played there, Mark Langston, Edgar Martinez... Danny Tartable, who seems to be coming up a lot in our discussions, and my favorite uh, light-hitting catcher, Dave Valley. Oh, yeah. Some other players that have come through for other teams. Uh, the mayor, Adam Dunn. He's the mayor, right? Or, or that's the mayor. Sean, no, that's Sean Casey. Sean Casey's the mayor, that's right. Yeah. What am I thinking? I don't know. Well, you're, you got a lot of cold medicine going on. I do. Uh, Kelly Hans Gruber, third baseman for the, uh, the Blue Jays. <laughs> came through burly grimes last legal oh, yeah. spitballer came through there trevor hoffman another hall of famer the Raja rogers hornsby another hall of famer i mean wow. this is got this team has so much history uh new cubs manager david ross and current uh reds stud joey Votto. i just like to call him a stud because joey Votto does everything he does. Uh, also played there. But 1885 and MLB is is threatening to say thanks, but see you later. So Yeah, see, th this one especially hits hard. Just that just from what you said, that history is insanely cool. Yeah. 
I mean, th- those names. I mean, if you've had Rogers Hornsby play there, if you've had, yeah. you know, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig come through there and uh, I just I can't I can't imagine a team, a, a city like that losing an institution like that. We're pulling for you, Chattanooga. We definitely are. Definitely are. Now, I've got a new segment here that we're going to start working into to our, our BP segment. And I'm trying to come up with a name. My current name is Things That Make You Say, Who Cares? <laughs> well, it rolls off the tongue. I'll give you that. Really? Well, I think maybe we can come up with a theme song from CNC Music Factory. You know, things that yes. make you go, hmm. But we'll just change a little bit. Um, if you got a better name, let me know. But this okay. is going to, we're going to work this one into, it, it's kind of partially our topic this week where we're talking about the 1980s. So I'm going to give you this question, but I'm not going to give you the answer until next week. So mm. you're going to have to listen again. That's the I'll thing. Have to ponder. Yes. Yeah. All right. So uh, I, my question here is from 1980 through 1999. So before, before Y2K. Who led the league in games played as a catcher? Ooh. 80 through 99? 80 through 99. Who led? Well, two, guys, two guys come to mind. All right. Uh, Carlton Fisk. Okay, that's a name. Bob Boone. That's another name. Not going to tell you if you're right. Hot, cold. Not going to tell you. Okay. okay. I'm going to wait till next week, and I will give you the answer. It's not Scott Bradley. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to commit to anything. Dang it! Okay, just trying to get more info out of you. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for our BP segment. Let's let the grounds crew do their thing. We are going to talk about the 1980s, and we're going to do this as a whole because, like I said, everybody else is is reviewing the the 2010s. So we're going to go back because we're a baseball history podcast. We're going to review the entirety of the 1980s. So a lot happened in the 80s. Baseball was a lot different. I'm sure you remember this, Mark. (laughs) Oh, yeah, very. So the 90s is really the steroid era. Mm -hmm. The 80s, not so much. 80s was all about small ball and running, which is probably why I love the 80s. You know, baseball 80s so much speed was a premium in the 1980s. Half of the stadiums were AstroTurf. I mean, think about that. Half of them played on AstroTurf. So the ball is getting through the infield and getting to the wall quicker. AstroTurf's easier to run on. It it, it just everything played towards being quicker. Home runs were nowhere near what they were just, you know, the the decade afterwards when when guys were juicing and and obviously nowhere near what they are today. Players stole more than 3,000 bases every year except for the strike-shortened 1991 season. Mm -hmm. Also, closers, dominant closers, really became a thing. So closing, you know, having that guy that could shut the door became a thing in the 70s, but those guys were coming in and pitching two or three innings. In the 80s, it really became a, you know, what we think of as a closer today when they come in in the ninth inning and just pitch one inning. And, And thankfully, that's kind of even going away. We're starting to get guys that are, really closing games in the eighth when the best batters are up, you know, if, if that happens to be the case, and then having somebody just come nail it down in the ninth. But you had guys like uh, Goose Gossage, Bruce Suter, Raleigh Fingers, won the Cy Young in 1981 as a closer. Uh, 
other names, Lee Smith, Dennis Eckersley, and Dan Quisenberry. These are all guys that were, you know, when I, when I got into the game, this is what I thought of as closers were, were these guys. The 1980s also had some great postseason series that I'm sure we've got a lot to say on this stuff. So first, 1991, like I mentioned, it was a strike-shortened season. Uh, it was right in the middle of the season, so they actually played. It kind of resembled the minor league playoffs where you have a first-season champion and a, and a second season, and then they go on from there. So they had extra extra rounds at the playoffs for the very first time in 1991, 1986. I think everybody remembers what 1986 brought us. This was, I remember this was the first 86 was the first season. I paid attention to baseball every day of the year. You're not every day, of the yeah. year, every day of the season. Yeah. And then we had that great world series between the Mets and the Red Sox. Of course, yep. Bill Buckner. I just remember that was such an exciting world series. I mean, playoffs are always exciting in baseball, but I remember that was the first time I really got sucked in. I had watched the year before when it was the Cardinals and the Royals, but I didn't know any of the players. I just watched the World Series. Uh, I remember the, the, I think it was Amos Otis getting called out at first base, even though he was clearly safe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then that kind of got the ball rolling for me. But I remember 86 was really, that's when I count myself as being a diehard baseball fan was starting in 86. So a little Jeff history. Yeah, a little Jeff history right there. Nice. Uh, 1988. Uh, this one a little bit tougher for me to swallow, but of course a huge, huge uh, home run in the World Series. Kurt Gibson takes Dennis yeah. Eckersley deep to right field. Pump it. He's like starting the lawnmower in between first and second. Uh, the that great, one hurts, man. Great Vin Scully on the call. Yeah, yeah. that that was uh, that was when Eck, I think, first really coined the term "walk off." Uh, <laughs> yes, but, yes. But uh, I mean, it was still it's still a great. I mean, you know, time heals all no, wounds. I'm over it. Agreed. I, you know, back then I wasn't a Dodgers fan. I, I love the Dodgers now, but uh, back then I was working in the A's organization, so. I was a huge A's fan. Yeah, that was that. I remember that one. I remember right where I was when he hit that too. And then the next year, though, Redemption, nineteen eighty nine. But it more known, you know, rather than the A's sweeping the Giants and it being the Bay Bridge series, it's more often referred to as the Earthquake series when there was an eleven day gap in between games two and three after uh, the earthquake hit here in the Bay Area. Uh, Dave Stewart was was given the MVP award. I think a lot, you know, he pitched great in the two games that he played, but he also did a lot around the community. I was a little bitter because I thought Ricky should have won that. But <laughs> uh, So let's look at the decade as a whole uh, for each team. So if I were to ask you who had the most wins, which franchise had the most wins in the 1980s, what would you say? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, the 80s... I guess, I guess I would, I mean, I don't want to say the Yankees because they had some rough years in the eighties, you know, but that would be my go-to. I'm, I'm going to say the Cardinals. You should have gone with your gut. Dang it. (laughs) Second guessing. (laughs) The Yankees. Yeah. With the most wins, 854 wins against 708 losses. They, uh, of course, were in the World Series one year. They made the playoffs twice, but did not win a single title that year. So it was a good, it was a good decade. Yes. Uh, the Cardinals were actually fifth 
but the okay. uh, the Cardinals did win a World Series. They made the World Series three times in the decade. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers won two World Series in the 80s. They were the only team to win it more than once. Huh. If I were to ask you which franchise had the worst record in the 1980s, <laughs> what would your answer be? I'm going to go with the Mariners. <laughs> you are ding, ding, ding. <laughs> 673 wins against Oof. 893 losses. Ouch. Now, I would be curious to know what their record was in the last decade here. Yeah. All right. So just out of curiosity here, I I just pulled up the team records for the last decade, the 2010s here. The Mariners went 758 and 862 losses. So a lot more wins. So, (laughs) So they did do better than they did in the 80s. I'm just looking, though, and the Cincinnati Reds actually... Nope. Nope. Yep. Mariners' worst record. Worst record in the last decade as well. (laughs) You just wait till the 2020s, my friend. (laughs) I did find it interesting, though. The Angels, who were then the California Angels, finished with a record in the 1980s of 783 wins, 783 losses. Wow, that's odd. Yeah, they made the playoffs twice, but they were as average as you could get. No doubt. (laughs) All right, so I I went back and I thought this would be fun just to look at a couple of of categories of statistics from 1980 through 1989, just to look and and just speak about some of these names. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance to answer each of these two. I think this is fun. At least I do. I can hear all the listeners turning off but yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, games played who do you think led the majors in games played in the decade of the 80s george brett george brett is not even in the top 30 cal ripkin uh that's a good guess but cal ripkin did not uh debut until 82 i believe I figured he still had a chance. Yeah, he's he's in there. He is at number 22, but the the player and this controversial non-Hall of Fame player, Dale Murphy, led oh. all of the majors. He played 1537 games. You know, now that you say it, it makes sense. Yeah, and he was he stayed healthy most of his career. After that, Eddie yeah. Murray, then Ozzie Smith, Dewey Evans, and Robin Yount to run out the top 5. Huh. So, that was, I thought that was interesting. Uh, is. Next one I'm going to ask you about, who do you think had the most hits in the 1980s? I'm going to go. <laughs> the, the, uh, I'm leaning towards Dale Murphy, but uh, since he had the most, <laughs> most games. games. <laughs> but I don't, I don't remember him being like a 350 hitter. No, Dale most... Murphy hit 273 in the decade. Uh, that's not bad, though. Nope. That's not bad. Nope. How, about, how about Dwight Evans? Uh, Dewey Evans came in 10th with 1,497. He was a way better hitter than he was ever given credit for. <laughs> yeah, so I, for my, my initial response would have been Wade Boggs. But, of course, Wade mm-hmm. Boggs, again, did not debut until 84. I've, I've got a whole bunch of debuts we'll go over later, but he didn't play the whole decade. The, uh, the hits leader in the 1980s, Robin Yount. Oh, sure. 1,731, he hit 305 for the decade. Next, coming in second again, is Eddie Murray. 
just if I ever ask you who's second in the decade, just say it's Eddie Murray. Always, always say Eddie Murray. <laughs> but Eddie Murray had a hundred, uh, almost a hundred less hits than Robin Yount did. But third was Willie Wilson. You know, he had a lot of ABs, that guy. I remember him coming up to the plate. All, I swear it was like 10 times a game. Well, he's the, yeah, I mean, he led off for the Royals. And remember, we right. talked about AstroTurf and speed. Yep. And he would, he could lay down those bunts and he was quick. He hit 289 for the decade and he stole 451 bases. That's impressive. Yeah. So that's, and he's ahead of Wade Boggs. All wow. right, next category I'm going to ask you about is home runs. So think of the big sticks in the 1980s. Who do you think was uh, your leader? Home runs in the 80s. It's a national leaguer, and it's not Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy is second. Mike Schmidt. There you go. 313 <laughs> home runs. Dale Murphy ended up with 308. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Dale, Murphy was, Dale Murphy was shockingly enough very good as was uh michael uh michael jackson schmidt eddie murray came in third he he fell he fell there from second to third <laughs> oh the nerve and then dewey evans it, it's the same names over and over again but sure. they're they're fun to to think about all right let's uh now move to a an an actual uh sabermetric stat here and weighted runs created plus so wrc plus now, this, this list is quite a bit different. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different category. If you had to guess, I, you're never, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you're never going to guess. Who, who led the, the MLB in the 80s in WRC Plus? Phil Garner. Phil Garner. No, and you know what? I, he's not in the, the top 100. I, just, I wanted to throw his name out there because he's one of my favorite players. <laughs> no, Scrap Iron did not make this one, but the thrill... Actually, the oh. thrill is tied with... <laughs> now, if you ever guessed Will Clark, I would be amazed. But if you yeah. ever guessed who was tied with him, I would probably slap your mom. What if I told you Cal Daniels was tied? What? <laughs> no, Cal Daniels. Cal Daniels? Wow, I wouldn't... You're right. Given... Um... 50 years, I wouldn't have come up with Cal No, Davis. absolutely not. They both had a WRC plus of 152. Next, tied in third with a uh, WRC plus of 151 was Mike Schmidt and Wade Boggs. Then we go 150 was Fred McGriff. And then we, I mean, these names, Pedro Guerrero, George Brett, Jack Clark, Eric Davis, Daryl Strawberry. All these yes, big scary dudes. Yeah, a lot of guys you did not. And Cal Daniels. Apparently, <laughs> that that one that one baffled me. the uh, The last one I wanted to bring up was war. Yeah, who do you think had the highest war in the big leagues through the decade of the eighties? Wow. See, the guys I would lean towards are all you know debuted in eighty two, eighty three. But I'm gonna go ahead and say anyway. I'm gonna go with Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn, I do not even see in the top 30. Wade Boggs? Wade Boggs is second with a 60. Okay. So there's a real good guess. Okay. I'm, I'm, I might have to. Oh, no. There, Tony Gwynn is 25th. Tony Gwynn ended up with a 32.0 war. Huh. Your top war performer of the 1980s, and I'm a little disappointed this guy didn't come to mind for you. One, Mr. Ricky Henderson. 
I apologize. I was going to guess that next, but you know, you stepped over me. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I, I saw somebody on Twitter ask a GM, what would Ricky Henderson in his prime be worth today? Oh my. And, yeah. and, and their answer was I'd pay him more than Mike Trout. Ricky, Ricky could completely change a baseball game at the beginning, the middle or the end. It, he was always a danger. Yep. You, when that lineup turned over, it was tough. So I'm this one. Here's a gimme to, to redeem yourself. Who led the majors in stolen bases in the decade? Well, I was gonna I was gonna guess Dave Valley, but I'm gonna go with Ricky Henderson. <laughs> yep, eight hundred and thirty-eight, just in one decade. Now remember, Lou Brock's all-time career mark was nine hundred and thirty-nine. Yes. So I, he almost in one decade, he eclipsed that. Tim Raines was second with 582. Then we go down Vincent Van Gogh, Vince yeah. Coleman. I, I can't stop saying Vincent Van Gogh when I see him because that's a great nickname. Willie Wilson. Ozzy Smith was actually fifth. I don't no kidding. Yeah. I, I knew, you know, he had some speed. I didn't know that he was that high up on the leaderboard. I wouldn't have put him that high up either. I mean, he, the guy's a pure athlete, so it makes sense. Yeah. And, then, you know, we talked about Tony Gwynn. Uh, well, actually, we, we talked about him on the quiz last week that you weren't here, and I had lost your, your comments about him. But he had 221 stolen bases in the decade. So Not, not bad. He was a bigger guy, so that's not bad. Yeah, but you, like, we, like we mentioned, in his early years, he was still pretty, pretty spelt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk about pitching now. 1980s. Who, uh, who do you think led the majors in wins in the decade? Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver. Tom Terrific. I am looking for him, and I actually don't see him. I don't think he played the whole decade. I, yeah, you may and be it, right. And it was definitely on the, you know, the, the down slope of his career. But How I about Steve Carlton? Steve Carlton, I, I feel, is in the exact same boat. Uh, he, I, I believe he played eighty. He played till eighty-eight. Steve Carlton was number twenty-six. He went a hundred and four and eighty-four in the decade. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to say Nolan Ryan because he was the hard luck guy. Yeah, Nolan Ryan went one twenty-two and one hundred four. He was seventh. Hmm. Wow. I will tell you this: it is Jack Morris. Oh my gosh, that should have been easy. I, I feel bad now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would have thought of Jack Morris's. He won a hundred. He was always winning. He won hundred and sixty-two and one nineteen. Because that was that was his thing. He never had like the most perfect ERA or anything like that. But boy, could he chalk up the W's. Yeah, I mean, after that, you get Dave Steeb, who was Mister. I, sure. I think of him as Mister Consistent. Then you get yeah. Bob Welch, then Fernando Valenzuela, and hmm. number five, Charlie Huff. I think Charlie oh, Huff wow. in the 80s was already in his 50s. but Yeah, Char <laughs> Charlie Huff was 137 years old when he threw his last pitch. Yeah, so Charlie Huff went 128 and 114. And he racked huh. up two saves. Wow. Yeah, he's a prototypical uh, closer, that guy. <laughs> Your knuckleball closer. All right, so talking about saves, I already okay. mentioned some, uh, some guys. Well, who do you think, uh, who do you think led the league? Um, that's a good question. One guy that, that didn't get mentioned was, uh, Jeff Reardon. Look so at you, look at you go. Two, 264 saves. Woo. He, yeah, he was, was, 
He was dominant. For, I mean, he played. I remember him as an expo, but I know he was really dominant for the Twins, too. Yep, yep. I remember both of those. And then Dan Quisenberry, Q, came in second with 239. Sure. Then you've got Lee Smith, who I think of with the Cubs more than anybody. Mm-hmm. 234. Mm-hmm. Goose Gossage. Uh, Grumpy Old Man had 206. And then you go Suter, Rigetti, Dave Smith, Steve Bedrosian. John Franco actually is on this list, which is... Hmm. I think he, 148 saves. I think he must have gotten that in like three seasons with yeah. the uh, with the Nasty Boys. But uh, so so there's your the dominant closers like I was talking about. Uh, what about pitcher war? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to come close on this one. So uh, how about you just tell us a story? <laughs> well, he was a hard luck pitcher. But War does a good job of kind of, uh, you know, fighting through the when you get to, was it 13 runs of support in 16 games at one point? <laughs> well, I'm going to guess this is a total wild guess. Nolan Ryan? Nolan Ryan with a 43.7 war for the decade. What? Wow. Yeah. So that's good. Nolan, like I said, went 122 on 104. He pitched in 314 games. And his strikeout per nine was 9.31. That's ridiculous. His, you know, his, his walk per nine is 3.84, which I thought it would be a little bit higher than that. You know, knowing how many walks he gave sure. up, but that's, oh, yeah. that's not, I mean, I mean, it's definitely the highest tier of the, of the leaderboard, but it's not as high as, you know, I'm looking down here at number 30 is Mark Gubaza, who had a 3.44. And uh, Rick Sutcliffe with a 3.6 walks okay. per nine. So it's hmm. not it's not that outlandish. Uh, right. And Fernando Valenzuela had a 3.52 walk per huh. nine. So again, not that it's, you know, not that big of an outlier for, for Nolan. Sure. All right. I'm going to just give you another softball one here. Who do you think led the, the, the majors in strikeouts? Pitcher or hitter? Pitcher. I'm going to go with Nolan Ryan. There you go. 2,167 versus the second place Fernando Valenzuela with 1,644. So 500 more strikeouts than anybody else. That's incredible. That's insane. That's two full seasons of of really good strikeouts that he led by. Wow. All right. So I wanted to jump quickly, look at a couple of award winners from the 80s. MVP awards. Uh, the National League is littered with kind of the same names over and over again. Mike Schmidt won the award three times. Uh, you got Dale Murphy winning it back to back. Then you've got names. You got Willie McGee, Andre Dawson, Kirk Gibson, and Kevin Mitchell. For the American League, not a lot of repeat winners. Uh, pretty impressive. George Brett, Raleigh Fingers, Robin Yount, Ripken, Willie Hernandez won the AL MVP in 1984. No kidding. Went nine and three with thirty-two saves in a one point nine two ERA. Uh, huh. Donnie Baseball, Roger Clemens, George Bell, Jose Canseco, and Robin Yount again our only two-time winner in the decade. Cy Young awards for the National League start off with uh, Carlton. Then we've got Fernando Carlton again. John Denny, remember his uh, nineteen and six season for the Phillies in eighty-three. We got Sutcliffe, Gooden. Mike Scott, Steve Bedrosian, Oral Horsheiser, uh, Mark Davis for the uh, for the American League. Steve Stone won it for Baltimore. Huh. Went twenty five and seven in nineteen eighty. Wow. 
Then you got Raleigh Fingers, Pete Vukovic, Lamar Hoyt, Willie Hernandez, who won the MVP as well. Uh, Brett Saberhagen, then Clemens, Clemens, Viola, and Saberhagen again. So both Clemens and Saberhagen hmm. won it twice that decade. You remember the uh, what the uh, it's now called the Trevor Hoffman Award for the best reliever, but remember what it used to be called in the eighties? The <clears throat> Rollades Relief something or other. Yeah, the Rollades Fireman Award or something like that. That's right. And these num- these names are all the same: Fingers, Suter, uh, Reardon, Bedrosian, uh, Rigetti, Quisenberry. Dan Quisenberry won in eighty. 82, 83, 84, and 85. The quiz. The quiz. And then uh, Rookies of the Year. Uh, we've got Steve Howe, who I know you've got a great story about that I don't think we should tell. <laughs> I don't think I can tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> he was not happy that people knew about his drug abuse. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fernando Valenzuela, Steve Sachs. Then the Met. we get into the Mets run. Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden. Vince Coleman, Todd Worrell, uh, Benito Santiago, Chris Sabo, and Jerome Walton. For the American Leagues, Joe Charbonneau, the Indians in 1980. His only good season. But uh, won the Rookie of the Year. Then Dave Rigetti, Ripken, Ron Kittle in 1983 for the White Sox. Wow. Remember when he was like this huge prospect? Ron, Ma, and Pa Kittle? Yeah, I remember. He was a thick, thick guy. He he looked intimidating like he was going to hit. 89 home runs every year. Yeah. 84, it was Alvin Davis, then Ozzie Guillen, and then it is a straight run of A's. Canseco, McGuire, and Weiss, and then Greg Olson in 1989. Yep. So those are your award winners for the decade of the 1980s. Some good names there. Uh, I wanted to to round up here, uh, round up this segment, by Hall of Famers making their debuts in the 1980s. There are 15 Hall of Famers that came up in 19 in, in the decade. Uh, first, in the year of 1980, we got Lee Smith and Fernando Valenzuela. And now I don't, you know, I was not a baseball fan at that point. I was eight years old, but I, I would have loved to have seen Fernando Mania, just what it entailed, because this is, of course, before the internet, before anything yeah. other than the you know game of the week on NBC, where you might get one national game, uh, you know. A week to right. have Fernando Mania sweeping the nation is something. Yeah, he was he was as popular as you can get at that time. Uh, let's jump to 1981. You got Cal Ripken Jr. makes his debut. Maybe you've heard of him. Yeah, uh, he's pretty good. Also got Ryan Sandberg in 1981. Nice. 1982, a couple more Hall of Famers, Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn both make their debuts. Both mentioned earlier in this broadcast by moi. You, very, very, very nice. You get a gold star for that. Yeah. 1983, no Hall of Famers. Nobody made oh, their wow. debut that went on to, to make the Hall of Fame. 1984, Kirby Puckett came up. Uh, yep. 1985, again, a barren year in the major leagues for uh, Hall of Famers. 86, made up for it with Barry Larkin and Greg Maddox. 87, you got Tom Glavin and Edgar Martinez. Hmm. 1988, Roberto Alomar Jr., Craig Biggio, and John Smoltz. That's solid. Yeah, that's a good year right there. And then uh, can you name me a Hall of Famer who debuted in 1989? <laughs> 89. I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess it's Griffey Jr. There you go. <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up our look 
for uh, for the decade of the 1980s, that was fun to talk about some names that we might not have mentioned for quite a while. Like Kel Daniels. <laughs> Kel Daniels. I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I specifically, I think it was Flair, uh, him with the Reds. Because mm -hmm. I, I remember the Ricky Henderson card. It's my second favorite Ricky Henderson card is a Flair card. And I want to say it's like 88, maybe. It was a dark, kind of like a gray card. 88, Flair would have been the red, white, and blue stripes, I think. Yeah, you're right. Red, white, and blue. And 80, 88. So, whatever. There's some useless knowledge it's, right there. Yeah, you you got that right away, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I tell you, man, it, it, the way it is with me, it's this huge, huge hard drive with a terrible filing system. All right. So, we're going to move, actually, now from the decade of the 80s, and we are going to move to the year 1990. And the reason we're going to do that is because it is time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It is time for Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull a wax pack hero. So, Mark, I, uh, I experimented a little bit last week when you were not here. We'd been talking about some new rules, uh, and I implemented those in Wax Packs Heroes. I also changed the format a little bit because... I've got a whole bunch of rack packs and nice. uh, it's a, I've got a rack pack of 1990 flare, which is not, a, a, I don't believe we've opened 90 flares before. I don't think so. No, we're not going to change the theme song, but this week we are going to play rack pack heroes. Now, if you are not familiar with what a rack pack is, first of all, you need it's, to know what a wax pack is. <laughs> which well, wait, isn't a rack pack like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr.? Uh, that's the Rat Pack. Rat Pack. Oh, R-A-T. I get so confused so easily. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> so, a Rat Pack is, you used to be able to buy, uh, and I'm not, I don't know that they still do this. It used to be essentially three packs of baseball cards in a clear plastic cellophane uh, container that would just, it would be hanging, essentially, um, you know, from a hook. And the thing about these is there was no wax in it. So you could see the first player in each of these. So yep. I am going to give you, Mark, the option of uh, choosing one of these packs. And I will tell you, actually, who the first player is in each pack. Okay. All right. So our first uh, wax pack has uh, Dwight Evans. And our second one has Alex Sanchez. <laughs> Alex Sanchez was a, a prospect back then. I remember collecting his stuff. I didn't quite pan out. But, um, you know, since we mentioned Dewey Evans a couple times, let's go with Dwight Evans. All right. So I'm going to have to open this with scissors. Um, You're not allowed to use pointy objects, man, I thought. Uh, these are safety scissors. Don't worry. I'm, okay. Uh, completely safe. Safety is always a concern here on this show. All right. Number one. <laughs> so uh, let's go over the rules here before we get into this, because we've got a couple of new ones that we instituted last week, and I think they worked out pretty well. First of all, uh, we are using a 1992 Beckett from May. We got Steve Avery on the cover, so that gives us some value to most of these cards. Uh, if the player is a Hall of Famer now, you get an extra five cents. If they are sporting a mustache, as most uh, players were at this time, you get an extra cent. We've also got a couple of new rules. Uh, our first rule where you get subtracted uh, any value, and that is if you are wearing two-in-one socks versus actual sanitary socks and stirrups. 
We don't like that. No. Got to be real stirrups. Uh, if you are wearing real stirrups, though, you get an extra cent. So there's no messing around with the stirrups. If they are, if they are visible, something's going to happen. Yeah, and unless we can't make a ruling. Sometimes you just can't tell. And sure. uh, unfortunately, at this point, players were starting to wear long pants, too, and cover up stirrups. Yes. Which sucks. Except for Delino de Shields. <laughs> That's right. He always did have some some long he, he did. socks, he didn't he? It. Yep. All right. So we're going to start off here with Dwight Evans. Um, let's uh, here he is. Obviously, he's wearing a Red Sox jersey because I believe that was the only team he played for. Uh, if we look at him, uh, his card is not worth anything, uh, according to Beckett. Now, he does have a mustache, as Dwight Evans tends to do. So yes. that's uh, a point or a cent, but he is also wearing two in one stirrups. So oh. <laughs> there you go. Right off the bat, it comes into I play. Don't, I don't like him anymore. You don't like the rules anymore, do you? So anyway, that is uh, that is unfortunately not worth anything because of that. Yep. Uh, next, we've got Steve Lyons. Now, this is good because Steve Lyons is wearing a Chicago White Sox uniform here. I'm, no, I'm wondering how many people remember Steve Lyons faux pas at Fenway Park. Yeah, is he wearing pants in the photo? <laughs> it is just from the waist up. I can see so he his, might not be. Well, I can see his belt, which is what came into play here. Because yes. if if you don't remember, this was a game of the week, I believe. It was like an NBC game. And he, I think it was dribbler in the infield, and he's trying to beat it out to first. And as, you know, it's proven that it's faster to run through the bag than to slide into the bag at first. He dove headfirst to the bag and was called safe and got, am I remembering this right or was it at second base? I'm pretty sure it was at first. See, I'm, rem <laughs> I'm remembering it as second base. I am, uh, I am fairly certain this was at, okay. at, uh, at first base. And so he had dirt. Well, maybe, I'm sure our listeners will let us know. Where my memory's a little foggy. So he, he got some dirt under his belt when he slid head first. So he stood up and just unbuckled his belt, unzipped his pants, pulled them down, and shook the dirt out, and is just standing there in front of the entire entirety of Fenway uh, in his sliding shorts until he realized what he had done. And then <laughs> standing there, absentmindedly <clears throat> drops his drawers. Now, Steve Lyons is a character, and I, I don't know if he does any studio work or, or is calling games anymore. He used to do quite a bit for Fox. He was always, I actually enjoyed him because he, he had a good sense of humor, but uh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> guess that's not worth anything. I, I, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about I'm running the video through my head, I think you're right. It was first base. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced, but I'm going to go with it. All right. <clears throat> All right. Next, uh, you've got lefty pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, Tim Burtzis. I remember Tim Burtzis. I remember him because last time we got his card, I said, I don't know who this is, but you knew who he was. And now I remember his name. <laughs> That's funny. I am going to guess that card is not going to be worth anything. He is definitely right. wearing some real stirrups, though. So that's one point for you. But uh, there you go, Tim. yeah, his card is not worth anything. But that does get you on the board. The reason I, I know who he is is because he, w he was in the A's uh, minor league organization. Absol absolutely was. Yeah, and he eventually he, pitched for the A's. Yeah, he pitched. He debuted for the A's in 1985. He played in Tacoma in 85, 86, and 87. Okay. So that would have been right around your, your, yep. your time. 
Uh, next, we've got uh, Righty for the Expos, Andy McGaffigan. Not uh, Jim McGaffigan, but uh, right. Andy is uh, definitely wearing real stirrups, and he has got a big, bushy red mustache. I'm well, gonna... I don't know who Andy McGaffigan is, but I appreciate the points. <laughs> he is, uh, yeah, so you're going to get two points there for those two. Uh, no value on the actual card itself, though. Uh, here's one of your guys wearing a mustache and wearing these disgusting gray batting practice jerseys that only the Seattle Mariners had. It is Greg Briley. Oh, man. Sure. Greg Briley, man. Little dude. Uh, uh, quick. 5'8", 165. Like, if you, yeah. you blow on him, you might get knocked over. Yeah, he was called Pee Wee, I believe. Hmm. I did not know that, but... Uh, he is, uh, his card is not worth anything, but like I said, he is uh, sporting a mustache. You get one cent. Now, this is weird because he's taking BP. You can see the cage in the background. Do you remember, do you remember these gray batting practice jerseys? They said Mariners. It's when they had the S, you know, was the logo, but it says Mariners in blue with a, with a gold stroke. I don't remember those and probably for good reason. Yeah, I remember them, and, and I just don't I don't know why they had to be gray. But he's taking BP, but he's wearing a batting helmet. Now, I do <laughs> not remember the last time I saw someone wearing a batting helmet in BP. I might take a point away for that because that's pretty goofy. But no. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was having a headache that day and didn't <laughs> want it to get worse. So. All right, so uh, do you remember who led the decade in uh, WRC Plus? You threw a lot of numbers and players at me, man. <laughs> Will the Thrill is your next oh, card. Yes. Will Clark. Nice. Uh, I know he, he always wore real stirrups, but they're not in the shot. So no Doesn't points count. there. Never wore yep. a mustache. Uh, nope. Let's see if his card, I bet, is worth something. That's a 10-cent card right there. Nice. So that's a good one. That brings your total up to 14 cents. That's your best card so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we've got Jeff Robinson, pitcher for the Tigers. Yeah, I can't say I know that guy either. Yeah, so Jeff Robinson is sporting a mustache. He's also sporting those science teacher uh, glasses, you know, that cover up basically your entire face that pitchers, yes. uh, players used to wear at that point. Uh, yes. I'm going to guess that card's not worth anything. It is not, but you do get one point for the uh, for the bushy for mustache. The stash. Yeah. All right, next we've got Tim Belcher, pitcher for the uh, Dodgers. I remember Tim, Tim Belcher started with the A's, I think. I think you're probably right. Yep, I see Huntsville, Tacoma. Oh, no, he got traded. At this point, he had not played for the A's. Oh. He was in the A's system, though, because he played in Huntsville. They were then the Stars and then Tacoma in 87. He made mm -hmm. his debut in 87 with the Dodgers, though. Interesting. Yeah, so that card is not worth anything uh he does does not have a mustache but i hate to inform you uh he is wearing uh two and ones <sighs> figures so that is our very first negative card value i would like to make sure that this is recorded for posterity's it, sake that I was... we we are we're looking right up at the camera there all right uh, oh here we go current manager for the oakland athletics here he is with the baltimore orioles he is in, this is taken in Fenway during BP and he is wearing his catcher's helmet versus a batting helmet. Unless he was, he, he might've been grandfathered in, so he didn't have to wear a flap, but Bob Melvin. You betcha. 
Uh, Bowmel is not worth anything there, but uh, it's always good to see so, Bob Bowmel. He was a solid player, though. So at this point, I know he made his debut in the 80s because I saw that when I was doing my research. He made his debut for the Tigers in 85. At this point, he had played 391 games. And, uh, wow, that's weird. Flair at this point, I'm assuming this is batting average. They say percentage. <laughs> he's a 225 so kind of your your prototypical backup mm -hmm. out of palo alto california hometown boy there uh, you go next we've got a mustachioed shortstop for the houston astros rafael ramirez okay i don't remember rafael that name seems familiar to me but i couldn't tell you anything about him he debuted for the braves in 1980 Played for the Braves mm. for six years, seven years. Uh, but that is worth one cent because he has uh, got a mustache. Hey, I did find out, I just real quickly. Uh, I mean, I thought of it. Okay, no, I used the internet machine. Um, Tim Belcher yep. was traded for Rick Honeycutt. Oh, my favorite. Yeah. There you go. That makes sense because yeah. Honeycutt was obviously on the Dodgers for quite a while. That's right. All right, so here you, here is a great card back in the 90s. Outfielder for the Oakland Athletics, Jose Canseco. Oh, yes. Those cards were hot back then. So this card right here is worth 15 cents. And you're lucky that we can only see him from the waist up because Jose was notorious yeah. for those two-in-ones. Uh, the infamous stirrup socks, the stirrup socks. Yeah, so no mustache on that, but that is 15 cents. So that is a, a big card. You are now up to 30 cents. Wow. Good score. And you've got a Hall of Famer right here. Wow. Oh, good. Hall of Famer wearing real stirrups, barely showing oh. any sanitary socks, but Carlton Fisk. Oh, absolutely. He's one of the guys I guessed for your uh, trivia quiz. You're right. I'm still not answering. Uh, uh, so okay. Carlton, uh, this is apparently an error card, but it is not worth anything more than four cents. Uh, but you do get an extra cent for the stirrup, so that is five, and then five cents for being a Hall of Famer, so that's a ten-cent card. Harumph. Wow. You are uh, putting up a good score here. Yeah. Uh, this, well, he'll help you a little bit here. Alvaro Espinosa, shortstop for the New York Yankees. I remember that guy. I do too. Because he didn't look like a baseball player when he was not in his, his uniform. You just would have thought, oh, here comes a lawyer. Well, he doesn't look like one in his uniform here in this card either. No. He has got those science teacher sunglasses, or not sunglasses, glasses. So they go well above his eyebrows and all the way down to his mustache. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, I, the key word here being mustache. Uh, he is oh, yes. sporting one. That is the only value, though, you get for that. But that brings you up to 41 cents. Wow. Next, we get Mustachio Catcher. This is a good-looking card, though. Mustachio Catcher for the uh, Phillies, Steve Lake. Oh, yeah. Steve Lake, um, I don't know if he was a starter, but uh, I remember him. Yeah, he was definitely a backup looking at his games played. Uh, but he is worth one cent there for the mustache. Your uh, final card here is uh, noted PED denier, Rafael Palmero. At this point, <laughs> first baseman for the Texas Rangers. Uh, yeah, he is, uh, 
not only was he a PA, PED denier, he was uh, he did Viagra commercials. <laughs> did he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> it was he took a lot of heat for that. So uh, he does have a mustache here. This card is worth four cents straight off the bat. So that's a five cent card. And that brings your total to a total of 46 cents for this pack. Not bad. No, not bad at all. You do get a sticker here. Normally there's four little stickers, but you got one big Boston Red Sox sticker. Oh, there you go. Being such a Red Sox fan. Actually, I'm kind of in the middle on the Red Sox. Then there, there is a quiz on the back of these. These are all Boston Red Sox related. All right, so there you go, 46. Now, I'm going to not lie. I'm not going to lie here. This is going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah, it, that was a good pack right there. We are currently tied at eight wins apiece, so I really it's need to pull out some magic here to, to retain, well, not fall behind. All right, I mentioned my, my first card is Alex Sanchez. We could see that through the cellophane. Uh, pitcher for the... Uh, Blue Jays, he is not wearing a mustache, and uh, his card is not worth anything. So, Alex Sanchez, you are dead to me. <clears throat> Next, we've got another uh, catcher for the Pirates. It is not Mike Lavalier. It is his backup, Junior Ortiz. Oh, yeah. shoot. Too bad it's not Spanky. No. We, we had Spanky a little while ago. Now, something has dropped out of this pack. It is shaped like a piece of gum, but it is not. I think it's just a piece of a card that they got cut off. That's disappointing. <laughs> it's an error. Yeah. That's, I'm going to give myself uh, $20 for that. Oh, uh, so Junior Ortiz is not worth anything. He it does have a beard, and we do count that as a mustache. So that will at least get me on the board. Next, we've got another catcher. Catcher you are very, very familiar with. At this point, he was a catcher for the Minnesota Twins. He's wearing an <laughs> 80s mustache that is beautiful. It is Brian Harper. One of my best friends of all time and a great guy, Brian Harper. Gotta love it. So, uh, unfortunately, the mustache is the only thing that is of value here. Uh, apparently, Flair took a lot of uh, shots for their cards at Fenway Park this year because <laughs> uh, he is there. Packed house, though. Uh lot of people in the stands but that is only worth one cent uh next you've got a break because i have got a, uh, a checklist Ooh, you got rooked <laughs> yeah i would seriously do this by any chance is this an error <laughs> so that is worthless to me this is the pack of catchers and this is another yeah. catcher for the pirates and this is not mike lavalier again it is benny di stefano Oh, man, I remember him just because his name. It took me forever to learn how to pronounce it. I remember him as well. Now, unfortunately, this card has a big tear in it. Oh, oh. and it's all the way through. This card oh. literally has no value, except for he is wearing real stirrups. So there you go. I, I do get another cent. You get a point out of the ripped card. All right. Uh, here we go. Pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. Um, now, he's a pitcher, but he's wearing a sweatband. And he is wearing a gray uh, batting practice jersey, sitting in an empty Fenway Park. <laughs> Does the name Dennis Powell ring a bell? Absolutely not. I don't recall. I don't know who this is either. His card is clearly not worth anything, uh, except for the mustache. But again, I, I we did have uh, a listener ask me, with, maybe it was the lighting 
with the Mariners uh, batting practice jerseys. This is a clear shot. These are gray jerseys. They are disgusting, and they should be burnt. (laughs) (laughs) So what's your opinion on those? All right. Now, here is Super Utility Man. I'm just going to ask you this. Super Utility Infielder for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1980s. Does the name jump out at you? Super Utility Cardinals. No. Jose Akendo. Oh, man. Sure, I remember Jose Akendo. I wouldn't have unless you brought him up. But, yeah, he was a Super Utility Man. Swiss Army Knife. Uh, yeah. He also went on. He was their third base coach for a while recently. Um, but that card is only worth the uh, the mustache that he is sporting along with his beard. So I am at five cents. I, I am just I'm just hitting singles. I'm not I'm not stringing together anything. Yeah, you need you need to load the bases here. Yeah, uh, this guy we've talked about before with a beautiful '80s mustache. Shortstop for the uh, Boston Red Sox, Jody Reed. Oh yeah. I'm afraid Jody, although we we, we love him, is uh, not worth anything other than the one cent for the mustache. Uh, okay, Greg Walker, first baseman for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, no recollection of Greg Walker. Nor do I. Boy, I am just getting some great packs here lately. Man, he, I guess. He is wearing some absolute real stirrups see them uh you can see some actual white socks with his white socks jersey but uh those are some nice real strips for shockingly enough another one cent <laughs> <laughs> it's just a a string of six one centers uh next we've got pitcher for this uh the, 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 what is what team is this wearing all red with a c that would be the cincinnati reds <laughs> i'm still on some cold meds myself so you'll have uh, to yes. excuse me uh, scott scudder I remember Scott Scudder. Uh, I don't I, know why. I remember, well, I remember the name because if you remember, this is 1990. And what was, uh, what was still going on in 1990? It was the first invasion of Iraq where the Scud missile took, you know, yep. top billing in terms of things that people would talk about. And this guy's name was Scott Scud- Scott Scudder. That's how I remember him. But not, <laughs> not worth anything. Funny. Um, you don't remember him from the 90 World Series? No. Mm. I do not. I, was, okay. he, was he on the World Series roster? He was. He was. And um, I don't think he, he may have pitched, but I, I remember him being on that roster because, you know, I was a big A's fan back then. Yeah, I've, I have wiped the, the 90 World Series clear out of my memory. Yeah, good call. <laughs> Next, we've got infielder for the Montreal Expos with a faint mustache but i'm gonna take it uh demacio garcia oh wow i I was hoping you're going with tim wallach there because i love tim wallach (laughs) but uh demacio garcia yeah that's a baseball name if i ever heard one that is a good uh, i'm wondering if he came uh he came from the dr but uh he did not come from san pedro de macaris he came from mocha hmm but uh that is worth one cent again now, I did happen to catch a glimpse of my next card, and uh, I could be right back in this. Uh-oh. This is 1990, but I am staring at a player that made his debut in 1989. He is, this one uh, it was actually taken in Kansas City. Or no, no, check that. This is Oakland. 
not Kansas City, Oakland, wearing a, it's not his BP jersey, but it's a gray road jersey. It is one Mr. Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, that's a good card, man. Yeah, so he is actually clean shaven here. He normally did have a little mustache, but what do you think a 90, I haven't looked yet, what do you think a 90 Flair Ken Griffey Jr. card was worth in 1992? We have a 92 Beckett. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, buck 50. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think maybe this is worth a dollar? Uh, there's an error, a Ripken error card that is worth a buck 50. A David Justice yeah. rookie card that is worth a buck. But I think those are the only two that are that are over a dollar. So let's let's take a was look. The, uh, was the, you mean a Cal Ripken or a Billy Ripken error? <laughs> no, that's Cal Ripken. <laughs> Uh, so the Ken Griffey Jr. card is worth, uh, oh, that's nice. That's, that's nice. I have just put you away. I strung, <laughs> I strung all those singles together. This Ken Griffey Jr. card is worth 60 cents. Plus he's a uh, Hall of Famer. So that is a uh, 65 cent card right there. Oh man, I gave up a home run in the ninth. That was like a, that was a, a grand slam. And uh, just like Babe Herman doubled into a double play, Griffey just kept rounding the bases and they kept giving him runs every time he crossed home plate. <laughs> so that's uh, that. Let's see. I had. I had eight one cent cards in a row, not in a row, but strung together. Wow. And then I got a, a 65 cent card. So I am sitting at 73 now. Ugh. Next, we've got uh, straight out of Gone with the Wind. Outfielder for the San Francisco Giants, Brett Butler. Oh, yes. I remember. Brett Butler, who was an amazing outfielder. Uh, good hitter, good speed. Uh, he, mm-hmm. was a, he was a solid player. He uh, was. He is uh, not sporting a mustache, and his car doesn't worth anything. For some reason, also, my wife has an autographed baseball of Brett Butler. Really? I have no idea. It is on a cheap, it's not on a league ball. It's like, I, she told me she was, she was at still at school at the university of georgia and uh brett butler who is from georgia happened to be there and someone told her so she went to a sporting goods store and bought the cheapest baseball she could (laughs) it's it's soft very soft and took a sharpie and got his autograph so (laughs) hey you know rookie mistakes rookie mistakes yep all right, Steve Searcy, my final card here, pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. He is clean shaven, and uh, I'm sure he is not worth anything, but you know what? I don't care because Ken Griffey you know, Jr. has thwarted your plans. Obviously. You know, if it was Searcy Lannister, it might be worth something. Uh, I'm assuming that's a Game of Thrones. I've never watched the show, but I know that name, yes, Lannister. That was a Game of Thrones reference. Ah, I thought I'd throw it in there for any of our listeners who like Game of Thrones. Anyway, yeah, dude, what can I do? I I can't defeat a King Griffey Jr. card. You cannot. That that single handedly defeated you. I, and then my sticker, you'll like this. It's a it's a full sticker for the Houston Astros, and nice. it's it's okay. good. It's got the Astrodome with the baseball circling it to look like you know a, a sciency. Uh, logo. Oh yeah. So yes, it was like an atom. Yeah. So this has got uh, this has got four Astros trivia questions on it. Oh. I I okay. How about this? So I finished with uh what seventy three cents. You finished with forty six. Yes. If I give you, I was going to say five cents a question, but that's still not going to win it for you. <laughs> it would get me closer and still lose. I'm going to give you six cents. Per question, if you get for each one you get right, 
How about that? Okay. All right. This is, All right. Uh, this is living dangerously. And one of them is a true false. Okay. And one of them is a gimme. Okay. Question number one. If a fly ball hits the roof of the Astrodome in fair territory and is caught by a fielder, what is the ruling? I believe it's an out. All right. Six cents right there. Nice. Question number two. True or false? Mickey Mantle. Oh, I know the answer to this. Mickey Mantle hit the first home run in the Astrodome. He did. That's right. It was an exhibition game, but he did. Yep. Go, go, All go. right. Now I'm getting nervous here. You're at, you're at 58 cents, which... You're living on the edge, my friend. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I, I, my math didn't work out right. Even if you get them all right, you're not going to beat me. <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> at least I'll lose by less. What was the original official name of the Astrodome? Wow. Um, I didn't know it had a different name. This is this is very much along the lines of the Oakland Alameda County Stadium. Okay. Um, well, before they were the Astros, they were the Colt 45s. All right. That was question number four. What was their was first it? name? So <laughs> I knew you would get that one. But what was um, the original official name of the Astrodome? Uh, I don't even... If it's like Alameda, then it's named after the county. Yeah. And I don't know the county. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Harris County Domed Stadium. Oh. Well, see, I didn't even know that. I learned something. Our show is so educational. Well, there you go. Well, I this was, this was a fun one because I only had one card <laughs> really in the whole pack, <laughs> but it won it for me. Well, it's just like baseball, man. One big hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah it, exactly. It was like... It was kind of like... Nolan Ryan was in for the first like 10 cards and gave up nothing. <laughs> and then he got pulled because of an arbitrary uh, pitch count. And uh, then the bullpen came in and <laughs> just blew it. That's right. That's <laughs> so right. I brought I, in Scott Scudder instead of Jeff Reardon. So I'm going to give you the 18 cents that, that you earned there. And that oh, will bring nice. you, that'll bring you up to 64 cents. So, so close. If you would have gotten that one right, it would have only brought you to 60 because my math is there to 70 because <laughs> my math is bad. And I still would have won by three cents. But Well, we don't do a show on mathematics. Fortunately, so. yeah, fortunately, you didn't get that right. So I don't have too much egg on my face. But there you go. Right. With that with that victory, I once again take the lead. I am now up nine to eight. Wow. Jeez, nice game, man. We, we battled it there. <laughs> that, that was a good one. All right, so that'll do it for this uh, edition of Wax Packs Heroes. I'd like to remind everybody, if you want to follow us, or if you already do, keep following us. You can interact with us on the internet, on social media. We are on both Twitter and Instagram, at 2 Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. If you feel so inclined, uh, you can also feel free to leave us a review. Hopefully it's a good one on whatever platform you are listening to us on also like to, as usual, give a shout out to uh, all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we really appreciate when you point out what we've messed up so that we can... <laughs> we Jeff can, appreciates it. <laughs> I, I, I still haven't decided. We can find those who are at fault in the kangaroo court. And Mark, yes. it's generally you. I Accuracy is not my thing. <laughs> but, uh, Mark, this was a lot of fun. Uh, what do you say next week we do one more of these? Maybe we will both be healthy by that time? I believe I'm ready to do one next week, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, then, uh, join us back here again. Uh, this was the final episode of this year, if you can believe it. We are going to jump into 2020 
And uh, yeah, it should be fun. We'll be back again. Hopefully you will be too on our next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.